Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lentz, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Learn more about the program, podcast, and the book Tactics when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael and part two of his teaching in the first seven verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, called Now Concerning Spiritual Gifts. Let me show you something that I've, I've kind of just thought about over the years that I think is a good way to consider how you discover spiritual gifts and how they, they go into operation in your life. This is Romans 12. It starts with a familiar foundational couple of verses. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove or test or discover what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Now keep reading. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individually we are members of one another. Now from the foundation of Romans 12, 1 and 2, as you present yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, you're not conformed to the world, your, your mind is transformed by biblical thinking, right? You, you keep yourself in a humble place, and then as you do that, you're going to discover the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I'm going to park there for a second and tell you that from that foundation, Paul moves into spiritual gifts. So I think we have an indicator of how we discover and engage spiritual gifts. Did I tell you guys the story about Muhammad Ali yet in this service? Shake your head. No, I don't think I did. Sometimes the services blend together a little bit. I got to know when I told my joke. So I, I was listening to Ravi Zacharias this morning. And he was talking about Muhammad Ali was on an airplane and the airplane hit some moderate turbulence. And so the fasten your seatbelt light went on and everybody fastened their seatbelt except for Muhammad Ali. Now we know Muhammad Ali had a big pride issue, right? I am the greatest. That's how he tagged himself. I am the greatest. I'm the greatest. I float like a butterfly. I sting like a bee, right? That was Muhammad, right? He's a great boxer. But so... The, the light came on and the stewardess is checking seatbelts and she comes to Ali and Ali doesn't have a seatbelt on. And she goes, sir, you need to fasten your seatbelt. And he said, Superman don't need no seatbelt. And she, without missing a beat, said, yeah, and Superman don't need no airplane either. Fasten your seatbelt. <laughs> See, we got to be careful about our pride here. But as we humble ourselves and we present ourselves to God, we go right into spiritual gifts. And here's what it says, verse six. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, if serving in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another, because spiritual gifts bless the body, 
in Philadelphia, single Greek word, Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. That's the Greek word for brotherly love there. It's, it's the body metaphor and it's family. We're a family. Give preference to one another in honor. You see, this is the main list of spiritual gifts in the New Testament are Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12. The passage we're studying plus Romans 12. There's a few other places. And there's about 20 spiritual gifts, give or take, listed in these passages. I don't think, along with most other scholars, that this is an exhaustive list. There may be other gifts that God gives. And I'm not sure that all the gifts are with us all of our life. We may have some main gifts, like, for example, uh, the gift of teaching has been something that God has blessed me with. And I would assume that I'll have that throughout my life. But there may be other gifts that God may give in a moment of time that I need for a specific situation. And maybe they're not with me forever. For example, maybe God gives me a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom in a situation. But I don't necessarily have that gift all the time. The main point is, is that you let the Holy Spirit distribute the gifts as he wills and you engage them for the benefit of the body, for the good of the body. Spiritual gifts are not about self-aggrandizement. They're not about puffing myself up and seeing myself as an elite. They're about blessing God's body and glorifying the head of the church. Back to 1 Corinthians 12. And so you have a spiritual gift and so do I. And Paul says, regarding these gifts, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1, I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to be unaware. 1 Corinthians 12, 1. See the word spiritual there? Most of you have gifts that it's italicized or it's in brackets because it's not there in verse 1. It's mentioned later. The word spiritual is an important Greek word to understand. It is the Greek word pneumatikos. It's spelled P-N-E-U-M. A-T-I-K-O-S, pneumatikos. Literally, you could translate this, now concerning spirituals. Some scholars believe that this could be read in the neuter, now concerning spiritual things or spiritual gifts. Others say it should be read now concerning spiritual people or spiritual ones. Some commentators believe that Paul opens the chapter this way to address the ones who thought they were the spiritual elite. But if you're truly spiritual, what it means is that you are pneumatikos. What's that mean? Pneuma is the Greek word for spirit. So if you are truly spiritual, you're going to manifest the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Have you ever met someone who says, I'm spiritual, like I'm a spiritual person, but then they deny that Jesus is the only way to God or they deny the historic Christian faith? Well, you could claim to be spiritual, but the real question is, do you have the spirit? Are you pneumatikos? Are you one who has been endowed with the spirit? 1 Corinthians 6, 19, if you just remind yourself, it says that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So if you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit already lives in you as a gift from God to enable you, empower you, help you, etc., to be spiritual, now concerning spirituals, is the opposite of being carnal. What's a carnal person? A carnal person is worldly. They're consumed with the things of the flesh and the world. That's what they were being. In 1 Corinthians 3.1, Paul says, I can't speak to you as spiritual, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ, because you're so consumed with the flesh. I want to address you as spiritual, but I can't. 
And so right now he says, now concerning spiritual ones or spiritual things or gifts, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to be unaware. About four or five times Paul addressed subjects in the New Testament that I don't want you to be ignorant, I don't want you to be unaware. And what's interesting is that they're the subjects that we seem to be most ignorant and unaware about. They have to do with things like God working in the nation of Israel today. They have to do with righteousness by faith. They have to do with the rapture of the church. Things that have been so misunderstood and even divisive over the years. And Paul says, please don't be ignorant about spiritual gifts. You need to know what they are and how they work. D.A. Carson calls spiritual gifts grace gifts based upon the word charisma. We'll talk about that in a second. God is the source of them. They are given as a gift. They are given not based upon merit. They are sovereignly distributed by God for his divine purposes. They are divine enablements, divine empowering to help us to glorify God and bless other people. That's what they're all about. Spiritual gifts given to us by God. Now, let's look at 1 Corinthians 12 and in verse 2. Before we move there, this is Spurgeon. He said, I'm afraid many believers will have to admit that they hardly know whether there is a Holy Spirit. Others will confess that though they have enjoyed a little of his saving work, they know almost nothing of his empowering and sanctifying influence. Few of us have participated in his operations as we might have. We have sipped where we might have drunk. We have drunk where we might have bathed. We have bathed up to the ankles where we might have found rivers to swim in, close quote. And so as each of us have received a special gift, a charisma, where to employ it in serving one another, listen, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God, 1 Peter 4.10. God expects you to be a good steward of all the gifts you have in your life. And that includes spiritual gifts. And I believe, brothers and sisters, please hear what I'm about to say. That when you are before the bema seat of Christ on that day, it won't be for judgment for your sins. Those were paid for at the cross. But at the bema, you're going to be rewarded for your faithfulness to the gifts that the Holy Spirit gave to you. And you will lose rewards for unfaithfulness to those gifts. 1 Peter 4.10 says, Be a good steward of the multifaceted grace of God in your life. When we do this, as a body, when we're all using our different gifts, we show the world who the head of the church is, Jesus. When each individual part of the body does its share, it brings growth to the body and glorifies the head and shows a lost world what Jesus looks like. Why do you think God has not given us one person all of the gifts? Why doesn't one person have every single spiritual gift on the list? probably to keep us from being prideful. Jesus had all the gifts in operation, right? But we as a body, we need one another. I think God designed it this way so we would need one another, amen? How many of you understand in your marriage, you probably married an opposite. Anybody? Opposites attract? Come on, raise up your hand. Go ahead, rib your spouse a little bit. Yes, it's true. Opposites attract. Now, you know what we do in marriage? Since our spouse is opposite of us, we try to make them more like us. I'm going to pray, Lord, that, the, that they change. And, and you try to make them more like you. We don't need two of you. Believe me. <laughs> we don't. Right? 
And here's the, here's the cool thing on a positive note, opposites attract because where you're weak, your spouse is strong and where you're strong, they may be weak. And when the two of you come together in marriage, you'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Shane Lance would like to invite you to a night of worship at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona. You know, it is so important for us as individual believers, as we are individually seeking Christ, to have times where we can come together to see the name of Jesus Christ exalted and lifted high. With a personal testimony. What a great way to just spark a fire in somebody's life again, to show them the the power that there is in the name of Jesus, the things that God can do, and the way He can change our life. Anybody is welcome, and maybe you have that friend that you've been trying to get back into church, and they've been telling you, oh yeah, you know, I want to get back to church, but I've had work, or I've had this, or I've had that. This is a great event to invite that friend to to get them back surrounded with other believers. A night of worship at Living Truth Christian Fellowship this Sunday night at 6 p.m. Visit walkintruth.com for more information or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app. I will cry out, shout out your name for I know that I'm not forsaken. You can now listen to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance wherever you go and whenever you want. That's because Walk in Truth can now be heard on your favorite podcast app. Apps like iPodcast, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and much more. Simply open up your favorite podcast app and search Walk in Truth. Make sure you subscribe so you'll know when a new show is available. Thanks for listening and partnering with Walk in Truth. Our mission here at Walk in Truth is to equip you with the Word of God and to give you the tools to express your Christian faith. But how do you initiate conversations effortlessly? Walk in Truth and Pastor Michael Lance would like to offer you the 10th anniversary edition of Tactics, a game plan for discussing your Christian convictions by Greg Kokel. This is how to navigate a conversation to build a bridge from a conversation to get to spiritual truths and to get to the gospel. We are offering the book Tactics as a thank you when you give a donation of $20 or more to Walk in Truth. Visit walkintruth.com, click the donate button, or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's walkintruth.com or 844-48-TRUTH. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lenz, right here on Walk in Truth. Your spouse is strong, and where you're strong, they may be weak. And when the two of you come together in marriage... You come together as one and your weaknesses and strengths combine and you're stronger together. You know what we do? We tend to accentuate the weaknesses of our spouse and focus on the weaknesses instead of celebrating the strengths. There's a little marriage advice. Put it in your pocket. You're going to need it. But that's not the main reason for the sermon. But I think it applies to the body of Christ. Because where I'm weak, one of you may be strong. Some days my faith may be weak and I'm going to need you to pray for me. Maybe you're going to be feeling weak and one day I'm going to come alongside of you and pray with you and encourage your faith. This is how it works. We need each other. The body of Christ. And when we are absent, see the problem that we have is that we think that we just go to church. No, we are the church. 
And when your gifts are absent from the corporate body, the body suffers. Now look, I could operate without my arm, right? If something happened to my arm, I could still be Michael and operate. But would I be as effective as I used to be in many things? The answer is no. I can still operate. The body of Christ can still operate with missing, disengaged parts, but not at its efficiency. Can I say to you, maybe this is why the church in America suffers. Maybe this is why many times we step back and look at the church in America and we say it's impotent. We're not doing what we should do. Why? The video comes on. We need help over here. We need help over there. We need help, help, help. And unfortunately, a lot of us go, you know, somebody else. I don't think that's my gift. Okay, I feel you. We're preaching on that right now. But how about you serve in the area where you are gifted? See, if we want the change to happen, it's going to be the body. Now, Paul says in verse 2, we only got through one verse. We got to move quickly. 1 Corinthians 12, 2 says, you know that when you were pagans, and uh, Paul is not afraid to say you used to be a pagan. I don't recommend this in your witnessing in your neighborhood. Like, don't walk out your front door and say, hey, pagan neighbor. How you doing, pagan? Can I borrow your lawnmower? I'll pray over it after I'm done. No, we don't want to do that. But look, a lot of them used to be pagans. You say, well, what's a pagan? A pagan is someone who worship a false god outside of the true and living God. That's what paganism is. When you were pagans in this cosmopolitan city, uh, you know, so much paganism going on, so many temples, etc., you were led astray to the dumb or mute idols however you were led. NIV, somehow or another, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Now, as Paul continues to want them to not be ignorant, he says, do you remember your old life? How many of you can think back for a moment to a time when maybe you were marching to the drum of the prince of the power of the air? You were, you were a part of the procession to the idols of the world and you serve them. Some of us who become Christians say, man, I was a good soldier of Satan. Now I'm gonna be a better soldier for Christ, amen? Paul using an image, and here's how it happened. In these ancient cities, a very common occurrence was a festival where people would walk down a sacred way as pagans. They would walk down this sacred path and they would go to a temple of an idol and they would basically give their allegiance to the idol. And it, was, it seemed like a very common occurrence in the ancient world that you might be somewhere working or having lunch and all of a sudden a procession would come by. And the procession was a pagan procession. In fact, the Christians started calling them the devil's procession. And these people would be walking down this sacred path, and some of us have seen it in other religions where people during certain times of the year, maybe they'll, they'll, they'll crawl on their hands and knees or leave an offering for some statue or idol. It's something like that. And it was a common occurrence in the city. And Paul says, some of you, you used to do that. You used to be part of these pagan processions, and you'd walk down these sacred ways, and you'd try to appease these false gods and goddesses. That's not your life anymore. Now you're to be led by the Spirit. You don't walk that way anymore. You don't walk to the dumb idols who have eyes but cannot see, hands but they cannot feel, nose but they cannot smell. You got it. Psalm 115, Paul said, that's what you used to do. Now you're led by the living God. 
Now you're alive in the Spirit. Now you need to let Him lead you. And all believers have the Spirit. None is superior to another in the sense of spiritual gifts. So now you need to be led by the Spirit. How would the Spirit lead you? Not into pride. Not into looking down on other believers, but to love. Therefore, I make known to you, verse 3, that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, if you had a dozen commentaries and you read them on 1 Corinthians, here's what many evangelical commentators believe is happening as they try to put together the backdrop in Corinth. In Corinth, they had what was called the mystery religions, and they had temples to Dionysius and uh, Aphrodite, and they had um, just a lot of different gods and goddesses. Asclepius was the god of healing, and Dionysius was the god of wine. People would go into his temple. They would get intoxicated. We saw people getting drunk in chapter 11. That is corrected. They would go in there, and they would, they would get drunk on wine, and they would go into this temple and gorge on raw meat, just sounds weird, but this is what they would do. And they believed that the wine and getting intoxicated brought them in touch with the god or goddess, the wine god, let's say. And some of them went into what's called an ecstatic utterance. They would start losing control. And they would start giving off words. Sometimes you could make sense of the words. Sometimes you could not. And so many scholars believe that to try to reconstruct the picture, apparently some of the Corinthians in the pagan mystery religions who, were, who used to do this were in Christian worship, saying they had the gift of tongues, went into some sort of uncontrolled utterance and started to say that Jesus is accursed. Now, that is an interesting thought, but it seems to me to be a little far-fetched. That Christians would be in worship and be saying, Jesus is accursed. Jesus is accursed. Now, if you've been around the Christian church for a while, we've seen some weird things happen in the church. We've seen some movements where people are flopping around like fish. And I've, seen, I've heard some recordings where people are barking like dogs and claiming it's the Holy Spirit. Or some, some recordings I've heard, it even sounded like a haunted house. It's the Holy Spirit. Roof, roof, roof. Well, I, I'm sorry. I'm not sure that that's the Spirit of God. Okay? People would come out of the baptistry and they're flopping around doing that, you know, dance thing. And oh, it's the Spirit. Look, I, I'm not sure that that's the Holy Spirit. You're listening to Now Concerning Spiritual Gifts, Part 2 on Walk in Truth. When you get a chance, remember to check out our thank you gift for your $20 donation on walkintruth.com. Also, remember that Walk in Truth is available on podcast apps like iHeartRadio, iPodcast, and Spotify. So please follow us and listen to us whenever you want. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, a question may come up in your mind about this particular text, and it is, can a Christian say that Jesus is accursed or Jesus be cursed? Well, no one speaking by the Holy Spirit would say that in the sense that they wouldn't say Jesus is under the condemnation of God and therefore he's not the Messiah. And I think that's what's going on here. But in another sense, Jesus did take our curse at the cross. He became a cursed for us. And that's Galatians 3. And I think it's that's verse 13. And so 
something to think about, thinking about Jesus absorbing the curse for us, but no one would say Jesus is not the Messiah, speaking by the Holy Spirit. Of course not. And that, I think, would be the clarification if that question ever comes your way. And of course, as believers, we need to understand that God has grace for us. And there's some things that come out of our mouth that we just didn't mean, or we said something dumb in the moment. Don't don't live under condemnation for those kinds of things. That's I don't think that's where the Lord wants you. And remember, if if you're saved, you're saved. And his mercy extends to you. So we want to honor God with our mouth and our thoughts, but we are imperfect people. But I but that's the setting for this particular um thought. And and I think when we hear other people taking his name in vain, if you have a sensitivity or a growing sensitivity to his name being dishonored, it means you belong to him. And that's a good thing. Well, hey, if you work weekends, I want to let you know that we have a Wednesday night service here at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona, where I serve as senior pastor. On Wednesday nights, we are going through the incredible deep book of Job. The service is tomorrow night at 7 p.m. here at Living Truth. We have child care. We have a concurrent junior high and senior high youth group. So it's a great night to bring the family on out. There's a Bible club for the kids, something for the teenagers, and something for you. A chance to grow. Hey, Living Truth is right off the 91 the 15 freeway at 1009 Arsenal Way in the city of Corona. Download the Living Truth app today and you can get information and directions I would love to personally meet you and welcome you as a radio listener, part of our listening family. We'd love to have you come on out. So check it out, the Living Truth app. Download it today, and we'll see you at one of the services. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. God bless you. Tune in tomorrow for Now Concerning Spiritual Gifts, Part 3. Pastor Michael's teaching in the first seven verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth. Thank you.